1: Notre Dame fans welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast it feels like it's been a while Ryan since you and I have done a show together Uh, it's been since Friday we had to take yesterday off because uh, a little bit of a family emergency uh, between uh, with one of us here and so everything is good everything is great for all those who have Reached out about Brian's daughter or Ryan's daughter and uh, prayed for Ryan's daughter. She's doing much better today. Spirits are back up and everybody's good in the in the Roberts household, Ryan. Right? So we're glad to have you back and and glad to be back and ready to talk about Narnia football, man. We just finished our last Saturday of no college football for the rest of. Uh, you know the next however months, right? We only get, we'll get a couple in December, like late in December. But for the most part, no more Saturday list football, uh, college football uh, Saturday this days. So we're ready to rock and roll. Notre Dame, of course, is now less than two weeks away from kicking off the 2022 season. We got a lot really planned out these next next week and a half plus as we get ready for the game. And Ryan, today we're going to talk about the Notre Dame defense. And specifically, we're going to talk about the front seven. And as we, as we kind of finish our sort of expectations and projections into the 2020 season on a position by position basis, we're going to kind of mold the front seven together today instead of breaking them down. And I really because I, I really think the two have to go together. And the reality is, Ryan, is the Notre Dame defense has really been the the backbone of this football team, really starting in 2018 to now. Mm-hmm. And and there's you know there's it's not the same every year. Much better in some years than others, but and even in, within seasons, you know, games where it didn't look as great. But for the most part, the defense has really been the the program, the part of the of the team that's carried Notre Dame. But the reality is, is if Notre Dame is going to take that next step as a program, start winning some of these big games, get to the college football playoff, and be a team that people fear, be a team that can go win games in the postseason, not just get there and be happy that you know, they didn't lose to the champion by as much as the team that lost to the champion in the playoff or in the championship game, right? Like that's been Notre Dame's claim to fame, uh, according to the guy that used to be the head coach in both years. Well, we didn't lose as badly as a team that lost the championship game, right? Uh, No more of that, right? It's like, okay, get there and do something, right? Get that W. If that's going to be what Notre Dame's going to get to or when Notre Dame gets there, yes, the offense has to get a lot better. But so does the defense. And Mm -hmm. really, this is the the part of the team that is expected to be the strength, especially the front four. The reality is, Ryan, is that in 2022, Notre Dame can't just be what they've been on defense in recent seasons. They have to be better.
2: Right. I I mean, it's really – it's something that I don't think we talk about enough, to be honest, Brian. Like, I think that most people talk about the offensive side of the football and talk about the fact that they need – massive improvements they need to get to this level and this point per game and I agree with all that but also I think that there is a full scope of a program where you have to look at the defense and also say good enough isn't always good enough right like to be a championship level team you have to match some of these teams like the Alabamas the Georges those teams that have made a brand of football off of being physical and being explosive and doing all those types of things so I really do think that the defensive side of the football We talked about the baseline. What was it last week or the week before? Like the baseline they're going to be a good defense. Like I would be very surprised if this was not a good defense in 2022. But there's a define define
1: that right. Like because I think I want to people to understand what they are Mm -hmm. and what they need to be. So define a you know I I, I'm assuming you're talking about like a top 20 ish defense, which is what they've been right.
2: Yeah, I would say we, we've seen the standard over the last couple of years, like wh- whether it's from Mike Elko to Clark Lee to Marcus Freeman and, and to where we are now under the tutelage of Marcus Freeman, but now without Golden, they've been a good defense. Like like you said, like a top 20 national team on that side of the football. And I think it's minimalizing the, the impact of an offense, right? Like, like they come into a game and you should expect an offense to look worse than what they traditionally are against a Notre Dame defense. Like that's what the baseline is for me. But there's a big difference between that and being a dictating defense where right. you just shut people down. When it offensive side the football maybe isn't rolling at full capacity, doing the best, you can keep a team in a football game. And we've seen Notre Dame do that in spurts. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I even think about that Clemson game in 2018, right? Where it was like 30 to 3. I was like, the defense played pretty well for the most right. part of that game. Like, they minimized, aside from a couple big plays the Clemson offense for what it had been on a week to week basis that season. But Mm -hmm. Notre Dame needs to be better. They need to break it up a notch because there is a big separation between good and great. And there's even a bigger separation between great and elites. Can Notre Dame be an elite defense in 2022? It's possible, but either way they need to be better than what they were, what they have been because they're still, There's a lot of good football players on this team, and there's still a tick-up that each one of them can take and that this defense can take in order to be a true championship-level defense.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. you got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best-tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you and trade's human powered algorithm. will find it trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. And I think that's the thing, Ryan, is is that unit that dictates, that says, hey, listen, you know, look, you're going to have to completely shut our offense down. Because if you don't completely shut our offense down, you, you're not going to win this football game. I mean, right. that's what Georgia was last year, right? Like Alabama's had several national championship teams like that. And even now, Bama will have games like that where you just, sorry, you got no chance. Now, this is not the same Bama defense it's been in the past. We've talked about that. But their offense is insane. And and, and Notre Dame's offense is not going to make that kind of jump. Now, could Notre, is Notre Dame's offense going to be better? We expect it to be. We mm-hmm. think it certainly has a chance to be. But going from 35 points to 45 points is a is a different animal against the schedule they're going to play, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where Bama usually is, right? I mean, last year was a, a quote unquote down year for the Alabama defense for offense from a scoring standpoint. They scored 39.9 points per game, you know, and that, and if you take out the two playoff games against two really really good defenses in Cincinnati, who had what like six kids from that defense get drafted.
2: It was loaded, including
1: yeah. a corner with number four overall. And then of course the Georgia defense, which was uh, the best defense in college football last year. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you take those away, then they're back into the 40s, right? And and the year before they were 48.5 in 2019, 47.2, 2018, 45.6. That's not the kind of leap we're talking about Notre Dame making on offense. So what we need to see from the Notre Dame defense is is they can't afford to be like Alabama, where they can go get into these shootouts and hang a 41 spot on Georgia's defense. I'm not asking for that. What I am asking is for you to shut Georgia's defense down so Notre Dame only has to score 24, 27, 30 to win those football games. And in a lot of the games Notre Dame has played in in recent years, the defense has done that to a degree. Part of it is the business because they've gotten big leads and the offense doesn't do its part, and the other team stops kind of running their offense, right? Like once Clemson got up thirty to three, they kind of went into cruise control. You now, once Bama went up thirty-one-seven in the in the Cotton Bowl or Rose Bowl two years ago, they went on cruise control, which mm-hmm. impacted the total point. So, no more needs to be done, and and you've got to make more plays in those big games. You've got to force more turnover. You got to do all, everything's got to be better. The the plays got to be better, and you know the reality is Ryan is you know. Are are you familiar with like the Fermo Efficiency Index? What Brian Fermo does? Okay, he's a he's an analytics guy, stats guy, and and I, yeah. Look, there's nothing that I look at, Ryan, and I'm like, oh, that's perfect. That's the perfect system. I fly no flaws, and so I don't look for that. Mm-hmm. But I, I look for people that kind of have like a reasonable view of how to evaluate numbers relative to who you're playing. And when you look at the Fermo Efficiency Index, you know he's had he's had Notre Dame as being a pretty good defense, speaking to what you're referring to. And mm-hmm. if you look at like the three years prior, Notre Dame ranked between 48th and 55th in de- defense in the three years prior to the, the 2017 turnover. And I think it was like 48th in 2016 against a really bad schedule, 55th and 54th the two years before that, which for a team with Notre Dame's talent is really bad. Mm-hmm. In the last five years, Notre Dame has been finished 15th, 20th, 6th in 2019, 24th and 11th, which is good. It's good, but there's a difference between – it's just like in the top 25 team. There's a difference between being 11th or 6th and being 1, 2, or 3. Sure. And if you look at the numbers, even the year that Notre Dame finished 6th, there was a big difference between them and you know the top four teams. And that's where that's what we're talking about is it's that next level to where you don't have to get it – you don't have to beat Ohio State 44 to 41 to win that game you don't have to go to triple overtime to beat Clemson 47 to 40, right? It doesn't get there, right? And those are the things that we look at and say, this defense has got to get better. And if that's going to happen, it's got to start up front. And then that's got to then play off into the linebackers. And that's kind of why we're doing them together. And when you look at the defensive line, Ryan, this has been the strength of the Notre Dame defense really going back to 2018. And at times in 2017, I thought they started showing glimpses of being that defense in 2017. I thought the D line, at times that year was really good. It held up quite well against Georgia, considering,
2: Um,
1: you know, held Georgia with – Nick Georgia had three first-round draft picks at running back on that team, and they all played. DeAndre Swift ripped off a 50-plus-yard run on a jet sweep outside – it was an outside-the-box jet sweep where a Notre Dame guy missed a tackle, if you remember that play. They ran for about 130 yards outside of that in the yards per carries around 4.0. That's pretty good against that offensive line and those running backs, right? But not great. Not what Georgia did to the Notre Dame offense in the Notre Dame running game, right? Held it below 100. And that's that game to me is the epitome of the difference. You know, you look at the 2018 game where where Notre Dame did a pretty good job of keeping Clemson in check, but Clemson's defense completely dominated the Notre Dame offense, right? And that's the difference. Right, and and so that's where Notre Dame needs to get to, in, in my opinion. Now that I didn't bring up the Alabama game for a reason, because I think that game was more about Notre Dame's offense not being good, being injured, quarterback not making plays that were there, than it necessarily was Bama's defense playing great. Where in Clemson in 2018, we've talked about Ian Book needs to climb the pocket and bang that post route, but it was still going to require a great throw because it's not like AJ Terrell was completely toasted on the plate, right? Like there was, there's, because that's going to be true in every game. And if you're a good team, you're going to get three or four opportunities to make big plays. Mm -hmm. Clemson only had three or four opportunities to make big plays. They hit on all of them.
2: They made them Notre Dame had
1: three or four opportunities and they only hit on one of them. And it was when the game was out of, out of, you know, out of line and that's the difference. So that's Notre Dame's offense has got to make those plays, but, Clemson didn't allow them because they shut down the run game. They made, they took away what Notre Dame did best. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame hasn't always been able to do that in big games to take away what another team does best. And if they're going to do that, it's going to have to come from the D-, D line. And perfect example is the opener against Ohio State. You got to stop the run. I know everybody talks about the Ohio State, vaunted Ohio State pass attack, but when Ohio State's offense is really rolling, they're balanced. Yeah. And that's what you got to do. You got to control up front to st- shut down the run game and then get pressure on a quarterback. Well, who's going to have to do that? It's the D line. And so when we look at the D line, Ryan, and we talk about how it's got to take its game to another level, I think there's a couple things you look at. Number one, even though the sack numbers were really good last year, I think there's a lot of third down sacks, which are, they're still good, right? They're drive vendors. Sure. But, you know, Notre Dame needs more early down pressures you know when they did that against USC in the first half they kind of shut USC down then USC did some things to kind of negate that and you know move the ball a few times to get some points but then you look at a game like North Carolina where they were disruptive but they were made a lot of mistakes miss tackles miss sacks you know miss miss run stops miss run fits those are the things this front front four not not just the secondary and the linebackers the front four's got to get better at they got to be more di- consistently disruptive especially against the run game and they've got to finish better. That, to me, the talent's there. That, to me, just as a group, we'll get into some specific players here in a second. But as a group, those are the two areas, Ryan, where this, this unit has to take a big jump forward. Be more disruptive, especially against the run, and finish.
2: Yes. Well, it, it's mo- it's so important, Brian, because this Notre Dame defensive line, guys talk about it all the time on this channel, right? Everyone talks about it. Notre Dame's defensive interior defensive line is smaller. Why? Because Notre Dame is an attack style defense that is trying to create penetration. And when you are that type, you are a playmaking team. You are not a Georgia where you have 350-pound nose tackle um, Jordan Davis that is holding the point of attack and is saying linebacker, you know, Nakobe Dean and Quay Walker and all these dudes run and make all the tackles. Like this is not what this defense is predicated on. This defense is predicated on the front four, front three, whatever they're rotating in creating havoc in the backfield and when that is the when that is the fact you need those guys to make some plays man like you need them to finish i mean we talked about jason Adam Alola. i mentioned it in the article i wrote about him where i think that he is very underrated but the simple fact of the matter is is that jason needs to finish more right Right. isaiah foskey had 10 sacks and what was it 12 tackles for loss last year and a half yeah 12 and a half in the run game he needs to finish more he does because he holds the point of attack he's incredibly disruptive but he needs to finish that goes for every defensive lineman there. Howard cross. You are not the biggest guy in the world, but what you are is cat quick and disruptive. You need to finish right. Jacob Lacey. You need to finish Riley Mills. We expect big things out of him. He also needs to right. show that he can finish. And and the, you know, there is, there is, um, <clears throat> excuse me. There is, there is definitely something to be said about creating pressure, right. right? And being disruptive, but also the great defenses, I believe, are the ones that not only disruptive and create pressure, but also can finish, right? Finish sacks, finish the uh, running backs on the ground. That is, again, is the separation for me from a great defense. Because you can be a great defense and just create pressure. But a great defense and being an elite defense, that's the one where you don't have to worry about them uh, running, back, running backs getting to the second level. Because guys are finishing more right. in the backfield. So that's the separator for me. They are a good to very good defense if they play around the same level that they did last year. But to be a truly elite team, to take a step up, they need to finish more. And I think that they have all the talent, to. There's not a lack of athleticism. There's not a lack of length. There's not a lack of, of just athletic ability in general. But Notre Dame needs to finish more. Their dudes are a part of this equation. They need to finish. And I think they right. have all the talent to do so.
1: Finishing, what does that mean, right? When we talk about finishing, obviously, there's the the obvious one when uh, Jason Adamiola or Isaiah Fosky or Justin Adamiola get a pressure and you get a running back or quarterback squared up, you get them. But I think when the reason that we kind of talked about this as a unit first is because it's not always that. And at times, la- a lot of times in recent years, but especially last year, one of the issues was one guy would have like a great penetration play. And then uh, that he wouldn't be able to finish, and then the quarterback would take off running, or get out of the pocket, or the running back would make a miss, and then take off running. Yep. Not all the time, but at times this is, was the issue, because at times the block destruction was very inconsistent across the board. And the nice thing that that when you look at Georgia, for example, and and they're 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 just they get a great push, but then there's always somebody there when the first guy doesn't make the play. Because sometimes the first guy there doesn't make the play because he just drove someone in the backfield. And that's okay. When the quarterback then sidesteps him, somebody else is right there to take him. And that's what we haven't always seen. You know, JD Bertrand, we've talked a lot about JD having that sack opportunity late in the second quarter against Oklahoma State. Well, you know what? When the he when he missed on that, where was everybody else? Right. Right. And, and and why didn't somebody else like have get on Spencer Sanders before he could recover and then take off running for a big game? And so that's part of it too. And that comes from consistency and block destruction that needs to be better than it was a year ago. I think part of this is what they competed against. I think it was much easier for them in practice to go beat the offensive line without having to be great at block destruction. I think that'll improve, but that's the thing, right? It's, it's got to be a team effort with the defense. And that's why, you know, you include the linebackers. And that, that was a, an even bigger issue because the defensive line would, you know, have two guys be disruptive, and then next thing you know, their linebackers are nowhere to be seen, or they miss a tackle two yards down the field. Mm-hmm. And that's why these two got to play together. But the defensive line, when I talk about finishing, it is partly like what we saw against Wisconsin. I think that was a big reason they were so good against Wisconsin. The first guy there was making the play a lot of times, yep. whether it was knocking the ball out or hitting the running back and, and holding them up until the rest of the troops could come that was a big part of that success. But then other games that, you know, Jason Adam would have a great pass rush. He would then not be able to quite get off the block. And then there was nobody there to get there or Isaiah. And so we've got to see more consistency there. Again, are there snaps where we can show that they were that way? Yeah, lots of them. Sure. But the, the problem for the Notre Dame defense last year wasn't that they weren't good most snaps. It's they were Really inconsistent, and they'd have some bad snaps, and that would result in Sam Howell taking off and running for 100 yards or Ty Chan, the ripping off a 50 yard touchdown run on a play where you're like, How did that play go for 50 yards? You know, mm-hmm. how, instead of sacking Spencer Sanders at the end of the second quarter, whiffing him, he runs for, you know, 20 plus yards next thing you know, uh, getting the ball back with a couple minutes left, up 28 7 with maybe a chance to score uh, against a team that has not been able to stop you the whole half. Turns into 28 14 at halftime, they start the ball with the second half of the ball. And next thing you know, before your offense gets back on the field, it's 28 27 deficit. Your offense scores. Next time they get on the field, it's 28 21. Different ball game. Why? Because you didn't finish. Because one guy would do one thing disruptive and then the rest of the, the guys weren't there to finish it. And I think that's a big, big part. I mean, if that's the only thing that improves on this team this year, that alone makes this defense significantly better from a production standpoint, which then keeps the points down. Because again, if simply if all they did was tackle better against Oklahoma State, that's not only a Notre Dame win. I think it's a convincing double digit Notre Dame win. I agree. Right. So we're not talking about like they got to recruit eighty seven new players, right, or change their scheme. It's finish better. It's the fundamental aspects better. That's going to be the big thing for me. And, and it's got to be a group effort, Ryan. It can't just be, okay, Adam Yola's, you guys got to finish better right. on this plight. No, it's, okay, they, Justin had a great pass rush, forces the quarterback to scramble, and then he steps right into the waiting arms of Jacob Lacey or Jason Adam Yol or Howard Cross or Riley Mills or Isaiah Foskey or Maris Leuphout or J.D. Bertrand or Bo Bauer or whoever. Mm-hmm. It's that swarming part of the defense that wasn't always there last year. And that's going to be a big key for Al Golden. Is can you get this defense to where you don't design something where one guy gets through, and if he doesn't hit, you're in trouble. It's one where you, you, you're, you've designed something where one guy gets through, but the the players are taught block destruction and getting off pressure. You know, getting off blocks, getting to the quarterback, getting to the ball carry, gap discipline, lane discipline, things like that that they were not good at last year all the time getting those things better so that way if that one pressure that was well-designed misses, the quarterback running back has nowhere to go because there's somebody else or two other somebodies there to make those plays. That's what we talk about when we say the front has to get better at being disruptive and finishing. It's those type of things. And we've talked a lot about finishing, Ryan, but we wanted to kind of go on a little bit more of a descriptive manner of what that means and what that looks like And because it is so vitally important to this defense taking the next step, if that's all that they do better this year, Mm -hmm. this jumps from a top 12 to 15 defense to a top five to seven defense, just on that alone, Yep, just on that alone.
2: Well, I mean, Brian, I know we're we're talking mostly 2021 to 2022 progression, but I mean, think about it for like the Notre Dame perspective. Like I think back to the Clemson game in 2018, how many times did Trevor Lawrence just – just kind of you know shrug off a sack and was able to extend the play. Yeah. Talk about the Alabama game in 2020. That long run by Najee Harris should have been a tackle for loss, if we're, or at least at the line of scrimmage. Like there has been plenty of plays. I even think about Devonta Smith in that game where he just gets a little little screen, you know, a little bubble screen. And you're in solid position, but you just can't finish for X, Y, and Z reasons, right? So I think littered across this just fundamental understanding of finishing better is the fact that we've seen them not be able to finish in those big games. That is the, mm-hmm. the the Achilles heel to this Notre Dame team right now. Like it is. Notre Dame has gotten to a solid level, but they haven't been able to beat the best teams in college football over the last few years. And I think in every one of those games that they have lost to Clemson, Alabama, when you think of the plays that maybe determined a little bit of that, those scores beginning lopsided, it's because they're in position, but they didn't finish. And I right. think that that's been kind of a running theme. Not only last year, now it's been over the, the last Alabama
1: game years. in twenty twenty. That's another example. How many missed tackles do they have on balls completed behind the line scrimmage? That's,
2: yeah, you know, exactly. you, I,
1: I've talked about this. The, go look at the big run that Najee Harris had early. Defensive mm-hmm. line blows him off the ball, but nobody could get off a block. Yep. And then you have a corner miss the ball in space. Well, that's all fine and, and great that you you know beat them off the line and you were disruptive and all that. But as we've talked about, that doesn't matter if you don't bring the ball carrier down. I mean, there's another play. I mean, this is all while the game is in doubt. They have a great, well-designed blitz, two guys come free, including Maris Lefau, and they allow Mac Jones to spin out because somebody lost lane discipline. And Mac Jones, who had minus nine yards rushing on the season coming to that game, spins out and picks up a first down. Yep. You know, I can't remember if he threw it or ran it, but they picked he up a first it. down. Yeah. But, like, plays like that have to start ending with sacks and yep. tackles for loss. And in, in the Clemson game, it's a, it's a little different because I feel like in that game, they did have a lot of those finishers. You know, I think mm-hmm. of the play where uh, Julian Aguara limps off the field on second down, and now it's third down. If Clemson doesn't gain another yard, they're in field goal range. Clemson drops back to throw. Adetokuba Ogandiji comes off the edge, sacks Trevor Lawrence, and knocks him out of field goal range. Right? Mm-hmm. So that defense was even better at it, but it just was one of those things where there was just enough plays in there where you couldn't finish. And because your offense wasn't able to be be that team, uh, you, you weren't able to, to go out there and get it done. And so when I when I look at this matchup, it's, it's like, OK, you're facing a very similar offense mm-hmm. on September 3rd. You know, look, with all due respect to Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison and Emeka Egbuka, this is not like the first time Notre Dame has faced this kind of offense, with all due respect. Okay, they faced an offense that had Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Hunter Renfro. a Few years ago, they faced an offense that had Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. Two years ago, the defense didn't get it done in those games, right? So I'm not like, hey, they've stopped this kind of offense before. Notre Dame's going to win by 40. I don't cover Ohio State. I don't. We don't talk like that, right? We we actually give real analysis here. But they held their own in those games. Is my point. At times, now they got to finish better. So those plays that in the past were, boy, if 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 Dante Vaughn just could have finished that play that he tipped the ball and the guy still caught it for a touchdown. If if this guy just would have tackled Trevor Lawrence the first time and not let him get off and get that ball off. If if just this, if just the corner would have right. There's been too many of those. If just this would have happened, it's a different ball game, and that's the thing that's got to change. And it comes back down as we said to finishing. It's, and it's I, all,
2: it's all fundamental stuff too, Brian. Cause like, I even think about Troy pride. It's like Troy pride was always in great position yeah. but when the balls in the air just seemed like he couldn't always finish. Right. right. Like it, it's been a fundamental problem. Like it, it, right. it honestly has been, if we're being completely honest, like the only corner I can remember that really like finished through the catch point was Julian love who was probably the smallest. And right. The, I mean, one of the, I mean, he wasn't a and great a lot athlete. of his stuff like, was solid, coming downhill. Like, well, sure. I mean, that
1: you know, sure. but to your point, yeah. you're correct. We haven't seen that a lot.
2: I mean, like Cam a Hart, right? I mean, I know we're talking about the front seven today, but even six, two and a half, thirty-two 32 plus inch arm Cam Hart, he has all the tools to be a disruptive player at the catch point. Maris Loyfowl, there is, if we're flowing to the football, working in pursuit, and he has a chance to make a play in the backfield, he has the length and the athleticism to finish plays, right? So if they are not able to finish plays, it's a fundamental problem. It's not an athletic problem. There's no, there's not physical limitations to an Isaiah Foskey getting off the getting off the block. Right, the guy the kid probably has 35 inch arms and he's 260 something pounds. Like he is a physically impressive player. Maris Wojcik can do those things working inside. And out. Cam Hart can disrupt the catch point because he has all the length and athleticism to do so. There's no excuses for not finishing plays because Notre Dame has all the talent to do so. It's just the fundamental aspect of the of the position and i mean that's why you always see those drills littered in practice of like little simplistic stuff you're like why are they practicing that it's because you need to be disruptive in that phase that catch point phase that tackling phase that in space phase you need to do all those things and notre dame has all the physical talent to do so it's just about attention to detail attention to detail attention to detail
1: and that's what we're going to learn about marcus freeman and his staff does that change or not now we'd like to say yes it's going to be different now but we don't know we, we don't know. I mean, and, and again, I, I don't want to point to the – I could give all types of spin in one direction or another, right? Oh, the bowl game doesn't count because he wasn't – he didn't have his coaching staff. He only had 15 practices. true. But then you can also say, well, that's the only game we've seen him coach and they didn't tackle and they – also true, which is why I just don't care about the bowl game. They've had – now have a whole offseason to take his identity as a football coach, a whole mm-hmm. different coaching staff than that football team. Different roster, different players, all that type of stuff. So now it's about what are you going to prove? What are you going to show? Right. And I think that's going to be the key for, for Marcus Freeman as a, his team as a whole that goes on both sides of the ball. And then, of course, now without Golden in charge of the defense, you know what is he going to bring to the table? And those are the things that, that I'm looking for. And, and I think the biggest area where this has to get better, Ryan, and this defensive line especially has to get better and more productive and disruptive and finish is in the run game. Notre Dame's defense, and we'll talk more about this in some previews, but this this finishing thing, I think it, we the, the, the past game finish, finishing mistakes are the most blatant and obvious because it's like J.D. right there and just whiffs on the quarterback, right? Everybody saw it. It's like when a cornerback gets beat, everybody sees it. Well, you didn't see the 30 snaps before when the quarterback didn't even look at the guy because he was so well covered. You see that one time he got beat, right? And, and sometimes a kid could play not well, but you don't notice it because he's just not in that exposed in space area, right? Mm-hmm. Where this unit has to get better and consistently better is they have to be not only more disruptive, but they have to make more plays in the run game. And if you look at Notre Dame's numbers last year, it was there were some disturbing numbers, especially about last year's team. And And it's always been a bit of an issue, but last year was significantly better. So like, for example, last year, Notre uh, Oklahoma State finished the year with 56 sacks. They had the most sacks per game with four sacks per game. They played in 14 games. Notre Dame in 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 13 games had thir- 41 sacks. Notre Dame averaged over three sacks per game. Now, obviously, if you a- project that over to it, you know Notre Dame plays an extra game. You know Notre Dame would have had 54 uh, 44 sacks, so 10 behind Oklahoma State, which is less than one a game. Right, so uh, sacks wise, Notre Dame ranked 12th last year in sacks per game. They were they were really good at that. Mm-hmm. The problem, however, and we talked about this last week, is when you look at the total tackles for loss, Oklahoma State averaged 8.4. They had 117 tackles for loss. That means uh, last season they had 56 uh, run game, like they had 56 pass game stops, but they also had uh, I'm I'm doing the math here a little bit 61 run game stops. Right. So tackles for loss include sacks and then run game production. Right. So 117 tackles for loss, 56 sacks, that's 61 run game stops. They ranked second in the nation last year in total tackles for loss. uh, First in the nation last year in tackles for loss per game. Notre Dame, on the other hand, averaged 6.3 tackles for loss per game. And they ranked 48th in total tackles for loss. And they ranked I'm going down here real quick. They ranked 51st in total tackles for loss. Now, if you look at that and consider the gap between the run game production and the pass game production, that is a really big difference between the yeah. two teams. Notre Dame had 41 fewer, like so. there's a 41 gap between the run game and the and the and the sack production. 61 for for Oklahoma State. That's closer to where you want to be. You if you're going to have 41 sacks you have to be more productive from a tackle for loss standpoint. And I think that's the thing to me that, that made Notre Dame last year kind of disappointing. I mean, you look at, you look at the top three teams in the country last year, when it came to, to production against the run, it was, I mean, a total tackles for loss. It was Alabama, Oklahoma state and Pittsburgh all ranked one, two and three in tackles for loss. Well, they ranked one, two and three in sacks. You know, they were kind of on the same, on the same plane. And and then you look at Notre, you know, you look at Michigan State, for example, last year. Michigan State had uh, was a team that had a lot of sacks too, forty three sacks last year, which was in in thirteen games, which was obviously a couple better than Notre Dame's. But Michigan State, like Notre Dame, ranked eight, ranked fortieth in tackles for loss. Well, what's the difference between Michigan State's defense and those other three defenses? Their defense wasn't very good last year. It had a lot of sacks, but it was a bad defense. Why? Because they couldn't consistently be disruptive on all downs. They'd get a lot of sacks, but they also had the worst pass defense in college football last year. Why? Because they were they weren't a disruptive defense on the whole. And so Notre Dame's run game production this year has to take a big jump. If they don't, if they don't get more sacks this year, I don't really care about that. I care about two things more hits on the quarterback and more production in the run game, more negative production in the run game. Those are the two areas, Ryan where if this defense is going to get better, they may even have a couple fewer sacks. I don't care. As long as it means more tackles for loss in the run game and it, it cuz here here's what I mean by that. If you could have fewer sacks because because of a lot of factors, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it right, you're going to have more run game production, meaning more tackles for loss, which means putting teams in more third down situations, which means a couple things. You're going to have Opposing defenses are going to have a lower completion percentage because you may not get a sack on third down. But what you do have is you put him in a third and nine, and the quarterback's throwing the ball away more, right. right? Instead of third and four, he may hold on to it a little longer, thinking, I-, I can make this play. I can make this play on third and 10, he's like, okay, nobody's open. I'm not getting sacked. I'm throwing the ball away, right? But you're going to create more, more issues there. You're going to create more turnovers. Uh, you're going to create more opportunities where, you know, you, you're able to, to just be overly mo- more overly disruptive, which is going to manifest itself in turnovers. And I think in a lower third down margin. Now, Notre Dame last year on defense was um, a, a good third down defense. You know, they they were good. They were 180, uh, excuse me, ranked 10th uh, in, in third down attempts. But the, the or third down defense last year. But the problem that I had with their defense last year, Ryan, is I thought at times they 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 gave up too many third down attempts. I mean, they ranked last year nationally. I'm trying to find them here. They ranked 79th in third down opportunities last year. that's not where you want to be. It means they gave up the, the 78 teams had fewer third down opportunities than them last year, and that's an area where, to me, Notre Dame has got to get better. The percentage is good, but. The re- the reality is, is, you're getting into too many of those third down opportunities because you're allowing more chain moving drives at different times in the game. Right, that's the difference. You're not you're not getting enough three and outs, and those are the different. And those come from what disruptive on early downs. Yep. And so the run game is there disruptive, in the pass game, which comes from it all stems from the run game, right? And it's people, why you guys talk about the run game because if you're good in the run game, it means teams are going to find themselves in more second and longs more third and longs, less third down. The, the last thing you want to beat, Ryan, you're, you're a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. The last thing you wanted to be in on third down was a was a down where, a situation where you didn't know if they were going to run or pass. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like, because they're in that third and three, third and four situation. Even like third and five is, is somewhat, depending on your run game, is somewhat like, oh, you know, you may be able to do something, especially if you have a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. You want to be in a situation where I know they're going to pass or they're just not going to move the chain right and and Notre Dame wasn't in enough of those last year in my opinion to really be a difference maker like the elite defense that it needed to
2: be well and again I talked about this a little bit already Brian but it's the simple fact of people again ask all the time about Notre Dame has smaller defensive linemen defensive tackles at least or defensive ends are pretty big why does that matter where does it hurt you it hurts you if you are not creating disruptive plays, because at that point, it's like, you don't want Howard cross to work the point of attack and hold two gaps. Like that's not his game, right? Like you want him to one gap penetrate and be a disruptive football player. And to be successful in that particular scheme, in a one gap system, you have to create plays behind the line of scrimmage and you have to finish. We're going back to the finishing thing for a second. If you are becoming a point where your guys can't get off of blocks and maybe they're creating a little bit of penetration, but they can't finish those plays. They can't create those tackle for loss opportunities. Then not only are you going to be behind the chains to your point, but you're also going to be in situations where your defensive tackles and defensive linemen in general are not playing to their strengths. Like that is just the point blank to it. You want this team to play to the strengths. How do they play to the strengths? You let them take the shackles off, let them go. Right. That's the first and foremost. You need to play to their strengths as far as being athletic and being explosive. After that, you want to get to those third and eights, not only because just from a defensive perspective, that is the most optimal thing, like to your points, right? Like I wanted to know that it's a third and nine so that I can get my right package defensively in, or I can, you know, be aggressive with how I want to go after a quarterback, all those things, but also. That's how your defensive line wins in the in general, right? Like you're playing to your strengths at the end of the day. The, the, the best coaches know exactly who they are, what their identity is, and, they, use, and then they format a scheme to take advantage of it. Notre Dame knows what their scheme is. Whether they are a three-down team or they're a four-down team, they need to be explosive and they need to create penetration. So in that type of defense, tackle for loss numbers matter. Right, mm-hmm. like a, again, going back to Georgia for a second. If Jordan Davis doesn't have a ton of to tackle for loss numbers, you're still a very successful defense because he's holding the point of attack. He's two gapping. He's letting guys run free. If a Jason Adam Malola doesn't have higher tackle for loss numbers, then I'm that's telling me that someone's not finishing correctly or he's not being used properly. Like those mm-hmm. are the things that are going to happen in this defense. So for this defense particular, where you don't have the biggest defensive tackles of all time. You need to you need to finish in the backfield, and you need to create those tackle for losses. That is how this defense is designed, and is how this defense needs to win. Stay in front of the chains. Do not allow those third and threes, third and fours, because mm-hmm. your defense is not designed for that. Your defense yep. is designed for third and seven, third and eight, third and nine. That's how you're going to win.
1: He, here's, a, here's a fascinating – Notre Dame had some very fascinating statistics on defense last year, Ryan. Statistics that you don't often see going together. Here's what I mean. Notre Dame last year, they played some bad teams last year, but what Notre Dame did play is a a decent number of good offenses, teams that could score. They finished 14th last year in scoring defense, which is really good. I mean, it's it's not elite, but it's really good. That's what we've talked about. This defense has been really good. It just hasn't been elite yet, more often than not. But they finished 43rd in total defense and 37th in yards per play. That's that's a pretty big gap in, in, in that regard. Here's some reasons why. Last year, for example, Notre Dame finished 10th in third down conversion defense. That's a really good place to be, but they finished 79th in regard to giving up the most third down opportunities. And it's the same thing in in the in the red zone. And, and this is like you look at Notre Dame's red zone defense last year and the numbers are really fascinating. Let me let me pull it up right now. So last year, if you look at the Notre Dame defense, they finished 39th in, in total red zone defense. That's okay, but not what you'd expect from a team that finished that high in scoring. Well, here's the reason why. Last year, their touchdown defense ranked fourth nationally. Fourth. Yet they finished 39th overall. Why? Because they finished 129th, second to last, in field goal percentage last year, meaning teams were getting into the red zone a lot against Notre Dame last year. And if you look at red zone opportunities last year, Notre Dame ranked 74th in red zone opportunities, meaning there were 73 teams that gave up fewer red zone trips than Notre Dame did. Mm-hmm. So for Notre Dame to finish 14th in scoring, but 79th, 74th in red zone opportunities, meaning they you don't want you want to rank higher in this one. You don't want to be lower. Sure, it says a lot. They were a bend but don't break defense. They, they, uh, that's they exactly were... what I was
2: about to say. They're bend right. but don't break, yep. and that
1: uh-huh. just not getting enough stops. Which you know, people say, well, you know, the offense needs to help the defense out. Help yourself. Sure, get <laughs> off the field more. You know, help yourself. And those are the fascinating stats that I look at with Notre Dame, and it, and, and that's where a lot of the sacks and the tackle loss came from. Is when they could condense the field, they were pretty good. And so, to me, those are the areas where Notre Dame's got to get better. They can't be a team that's just great not giving up touchdowns because you're playing better teams this year. Those teams are going to finish better in the end zone, not selling on field goals a lot. And so when you look at last year's defense, and and, and, and this is kind of the, the stuff that we've talked about in the past. Now you talk about this is now Marcus Freeman's team. This is now he's got Al Golden as a defensive coordinator. Now it's like, okay, look at those areas of where your program has been and address them. Hiring a new coach doesn't just solve problems right? It's the, it's the new coach coming in and saying, where are the areas we got to get better? Let's make sure we recruit to fix those. Let's make sure that we, we prepare our players to be better in those areas. Maybe it means stronger. Maybe it means more athletic. Maybe it means quicker. It could, depending on what the issue is, it could mean a lot of different things. Maybe this guy needs to go from this position to that position. Cause it's going to make him better, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, making JD Bertrand go from Will to Mike or you know, if they ever got to a chance, where they could maybe put Clarence Lewis from corner to safety at some point. time, I mean, there's all types of different things you can do. There's also schematic changes. But then more importantly, it's how do you prepare your team to be better in those fundamental areas on a day-to-day basis in in, in winter, in spring, and summer, and then in fall camp? And, and those things have to be addressed. So if you don't recognize where you weren't good last year, then you're not going to take the steps to get better this year. And that's what we're going to learn about this Notre Dame defense is we're not saying they haven't done that. We're just saying looking at this team, these are the areas that have to go out and get better. It's mm-hmm. you can't just keep letting teams move up and down the field and not, you know, oh, we're great at holding the field goals. Here's a thought. How about you stop them way sooner? Give your offense better field position. Because yeah. I think that's something that also hurt the Notre Dame team last year. So Notre Dame offense didn't get a ton of, hey, you got the ball at midfield opportunities. You know, hey, you got the ball at the at the plus forty opportunities last year because you forced the team to punt from their own five, and so those are the things you look at and say, you know, that those are areas where where this team is going to have to get better. And and if they can if they can make those improvements, Ryan, then that's when you start feeling like this team's got a chance to to do something because you know Notre Dame was a team last year that ranked 14th and 19th in scoring defense and offense, respectively. But they didn't finish in the top 30 on either side of the ball in and or actually, actually, let me think about this if I can find it. I don't think they finished in the top forty in in on either side of the ball when it comes to yeah, Notre Dame finished forty-fifth in total offense, forty third in total defense. Mm-hmm. Yet they were top twenty in both scoring because they were good red zone teams on both sides of the ball. Right. I mean, you. but you got to get better at creating those stops. And and defensively, we are talking a lot about the offense needs to help the defense. I think the defense also needs to do a better job of helping the offense, which leads back to the original point of this conversation is what does this team need to do to be go from really good to elite? Because they're not there yet. And that is, to me, the defense has been really good. It's got to get better because it not only keeps points down, they then set up points for themselves. And I know last year there were spurts where that happened. You know, Wisconsin, they get, you know, a couple defensive scores. They got a couple defensive scores against Georgia Tech and all that. But those are fine. But I don't need those necessarily to beat Ohio State. It's more likely that what you need to do is what we saw Clemson do to Notre Dame early in 2015. And that was they just – they pinned Notre Dame back. They gave their offense short fields. And even though the Clemson offense was pretty terrible in that game against Notre Dame in 2015, if you go back and look at the numbers – I mean, Notre Dame absolutely dominated the statistics of that game. The difference is, 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 is that Clemson, Clemson's defense gave their offense some really short fields because of turnovers. I mean, the special teams did, did as well. But Clemson's offense didn't have to go very far to score in, in 2015. They had a 40-yard touchdown drive a 50-yard field goal drive, a 29-yard touchdown drive, and a 64-yard touchdown drive to start the game. So after that 64-yard touchdown drive, their next two touchdown drives combined for 69 yards. Well, that's, that's the difference between winning and losing football games when you're playing a top team. And Notre Dame's touchdown drives were 80 and 64. Well, how did Notre Dame get the ball? or get a chance to win it late. I mean, the reason is, is because they finally got a short field, even though they had been outplayed the entire game, you know, they were able to, they were able to do some things where Notre Dame fumbled deep in their own territory. If you remember that, it was the play where uh, uh, Notre Dame was down 24, 16 and Chris, they had driven down inside the 20 and they tried to do a shovel, uh, uh, they or they threw a pass to Chris Brown. He fumbled it inside the five. You remember that? Yeah. Well, what happened on the next series is, is Notre Dame forced a three and out. Clemson punted, Notre Dame got a short field. That allowed Notre Dame to then go down and 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 uh, have the chance to tie it up. You need more drives like that in these big games. You know They tried to do that in 2018. I'll give the defense credit. They gave the offense some really good field position early in that game. Mm-hmm. They really did. And it, you just got to take better advantage. So to me, those are the things that I look at, Ryan, and say if they can be more disruptive on early downs That is going to be the thing that leads to more turnovers, better field position for the offense, more points for the offense. All those things kind of come together. Do that, and that's how you take that next step. That's how you play great team football, not just statistically you were here, here, here defensively, but you played great football. You not only shut down your opponent, you made your offense better. And I think that's the that to me is the difference between a really good defense and an elite defense. And that's what Georgia does. That's what Clemson has done in the past when they were really good. That's what Alabama used to do back when defense was the primary driver of what they did. You do that stuff, you're going to have a chance to be a really good football team. And that's where the Notre Dame defense needs to get to.
2: There, there's one fascinating point that you made that I'm going to take back to something we've heard continuously from Marcus Freeman. You said Notre Dame was really good last year when they condense the field. Mm-hmm. And one thing we've heard about Marcus Freeman continuously is we want to get longer and we want to get more athletic. Why? Cause you make more plays. That's the end of the, that's the end all be all right. Yep. When there's more space, you can make more plays. When things get condensed, Notre Dame hasn't had any problems because there is lack of length right. and lack of, of, of athleticism at certain spots, There has been at least, right? We think, And, it's, it, and you're it's saying trending. it doesn't
1: hurt you as much in the red zone because the 100%. field is shorter, correct? Yes.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Well, you're dealing with less space, so that length and athleticism does not matter as much. That's why – you know, you'll, you'll see like the slower, but like craftier route runners be end zone weapons. You'll see guys that could just win jump balls because the athleticism doesn't matter as much at that point. It's a less, it's game is dictated less on space when the field is smaller. I mean, it's a pretty natural thing. So I think that's why you have continuously heard Marcus Freeman, even just as a defensive coordinator last year. We want to get longer. We want to get more athletic because we'll be able to make more plays in space. And that at the end of the day, right. both sides of the ball, I think that's where Notre Dame needs to be better is they need to make more plays. And to your point, Brian, I mean, judging by those statistics of Notre Dame is having, there's a lot more drives, longer drives against Notre Dame. And, you know, maybe the re- they're tightening up in the red zone. That tells me one big indicator of winning football games for me has always been time of possession. Usually mm-hmm. when a team dominates time of possession, they're, they're most likely on the positive outcome of winning a football game. More often than not, it's a very high percentage.
1: The exceptions are when you have teams like LSU who just score so quickly. Sure. You know, So there's always exceptions sure. to the rule. But again, that's what we're talking about. Notre Dame's offense isn't going to be that, in my opinion. It Should doesn't need then. to be that. It's a different animal. It's a different it's, animal. So yeah. I just want to say that because, you know, there's going to be people that are going to come back with what I have said. I think time of possession gets overplayed way too much. Hmm. Way too much. As if, like, th- doing that – ends in winning what you're saying is the i make sure i'm correct what i believe yeah. you're saying is the opposite is true when you do dominate at time, especially the way notre dame plays it's going to result in you dominating time of possession
2: yes correct with with, with in the style that notre Dame is playing if they are dominating the time possession i feel good about what the outcome is going to be i'm t- like if they go into ohio state and i know ohio state can score quick right they can they have weapons to do it But if Notre Dame dominates that time of possession in that game, I'm going to feel pretty good about what that outcome is because Mm -hmm. we know that Notre Dame, in order to win that game specifically, they want to grind it out a little bit, right? They want to keep those chains moving in their favor. They want to limit long drives. Like those are the things that are big indicators with Notre Dame's style of winning football games. And it tells me last year, just judging, because I don't have what the time of possession differential was last year between Notre Dame and the opponents. I don't know what it is. But judging by just kind of how you explained the statistics, I would guess the time of possession was pretty split even or maybe in the opponent's favor based upon the fact they seem to have a lot of long drives last year.
1: I'm going to find it right now. Love I'm going to I'm going to answer your question. So if you look at time time per game, Notre Dame it was about 50-50. Notre Dame ranked 60th. Yep. They had the ball for 29 minutes and 56 seconds, which means it was literally 4 minutes away, excuse me, 4 seconds away from being literally split 50-50. When you play the style of football that Notre Dame plays, that's not necessarily an ideal thing.
2: Especially last year where everything felt like grinded out, grinded out, grinded out. Like you just were not – I mean, for the most part – I mean, again, we've talked about this a ton. Offensive line was not great, and running game was inconsistent because of that. So a lot of times Notre Dame was playing behind the chains. There was a lot of second and eights last year. Like there were, man. It's it's not an easy thing to be in. So the fact that it's split tells me – Notre Dame was not a super efficient offense last year, and they gave up a lot of long drives and they tightened up in the red zone. Notre Dame's style, especially if they're closer to last year stylistically, because we know Notre Dame wants to run the football, Like they're not just going to be a air raid and throw the ball around running gun, like all that type of stuff, right? Like they are going to try to dictate the pace of a football game, a little bit of a slower pace, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. For, for the most part. So in that style, you have to dominate the time of possession. If it's split even, that tells me there's either inefficiency on offense, or you're giving up long drives, or the, a the exception
1: of being that Notre Dame rips off big plays. I mean, obviously sure. that's the exception, right? I mean, because sure. not because like the first thing I think of, you know, when 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 you're making the argument is because this is one of the fascinating stats that I had I saw last year, which was when I watched the Ohio State Michigan game last year, it felt like Ohio State or Michigan dominated the time of possession, and I felt that way with Oregon too. But you know, in both of those games, Ohio State had the ball more than those two teams in both games. Part of the reason was is because those teams scored quickly and Ohio State was going on long, long drives and, and different things like that. But, you know, like you look at the Oregon game, for example, C.J. Verdell had a 77-yard touchdown. Uh, you know, that led to it. And then, of course, against Michigan, they had some big plays as well. They had some short fields. I mean, so there's always caveats to it, but the point Ryan is making is you've got to be able to control the line of scrimmage, and to me – it's a lot easier to do that offensively when your defense is giving you the ball in great positions. That's the key. It's also a lot easier to do that when your defense is getting stops early and allows your offense to kind of jump ahead. I think those are things. So for Notre Dame specifically, I do think that, that in the Ohio State matchup specifically, I, I do agree with you to a degree, Ryan, that, that, that the, the time of possession is going to be important, especially early in the game. But at the end of the day, it's about make stops, make early down stops. And if Notre Dame can do that against Ohio State, against anybody, they're going to be good. They're going to mm-hmm. be really good, and that's going to be the key.
2: And my, then, of course – Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to no, say no, my cool. two biggest things that I want to see is minimalize impact. I said that already, right? Like, I mm-hmm. want the offense to be at a lower level than it typically is on a, on a game-to-game basis. Like, you're not going to shut out Ohio State, right? You're not going to hold them to seven points. But if a team is scoring 40 points usually – Let's hold the high twenties, right? Like that's, that's a kind of minimalizing impact. And the other big thing for me is create mistakes, right? And how do you create mistakes? Force running backs into bad decisions, force quarterbacks into bad decisions, leading to some bad plays. We've talked right. about the importance of getting, I'm going to go keep going back to the Ohio state game. Cause that's the first game we're going to see forcing CJ Stroud into bad decision-making opportunities. Not it, sacks are going to be important. Sure. But like also, Bad throws, right? right? Trap coverages because you have to rush a process. Do those types of things. So I think that those that's like the two biggest thing for me: minimalize impact of their, the best players on on a given offense and create mistakes. If you do those two things, I think Notre Dame is going to be in a good spot. But it's very yep. important to do both.
1: Yep, I think the thing for me too, Ryan, is like if you look at some of the bigger games this year, the one thing they cannot do is they cannot allow programs like. USC and Ohio State and Clemson to allow their quarterbacks to gash them, especially Ohio State. And again, that's where the finish so again, circling back, that's where the finishing part comes from. How do you get those quarterbacks in there? So when they run a pat when they run on first down or it's third and four or third and six or third and seven or whatever, and you lose gap discipline, you can't get off a block, whatever the case may be, and the quarterback runs for first down. If Ohio State's quarterback's able to do that, some he didn't do a ton last year. But I, I feel like Ohio State is going to put him. If you ever go back and watch his high school film, you realize there's a there's a level of running ability in C.J. Stroud we didn't see last year that I I think we'll see now that he's in year two. They can't allow that to happen. Same with C, you know, uh, same with uh, Caleb Williams. The same with DJ when they play him, or if it's Cade Klubnik by that point in time. Same with Jaron Hall, BYU. Every mm-hmm. single team that they play this year, to a degree, has a quarterback that can do a little something with his legs. Clemson's at the bottom of that list of Dracovic those four. From
2: Boston, Drakovic's another great one. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. Clemson or UNC is going to have a quarterback that can run. That's Syracuse why. Definitely yes. has one. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just can't throw, uh, well, you know. But at least he couldn't guy. last year. At least he couldn't yeah. last year. Yeah. But the point is, is that's where finishing comes from, Ryan. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's you know, Bill Walsh is going off on this long list in the chat about. Quarterback runs, and that's what we've been saying all off season. Like, quarterbacks have killed Notre Dame, and he's absolutely right. Like, you can't allow in those games to have, you know, your starting quarterback who's not really a runner going for 100 yards because you yeah. – and it's not on designed runs. It's mm-hmm. on stuff where you're giving up scrambles, where you were about to get off the field and then you couldn't. Yeah. And if you just were good on if, – if they finished against North Carolina last year at the quarterback, they beat mm-hmm. North Carolina by 30. 100%. If they were good at finishing on the quarterback last year against Oklahoma State, that game's never close. It's never close. No, And that's the thing is like it's right there for the taking. You've got to now make those plays. And that's not an offensive problem. You can't blame the offense run blocking. Can't blame the offense not being receivers not being able to get off press for that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's on the defense. And, and that's, that's where be fixed.
2: That, that's where I think Maris Fow really comes in this year. You know, being able to be that athletic dude on the second level that can kind of close on some of those quarterback breakdowns. Right. Like kind of those scrambles. I think that's where because I mean, and this is all due respect. J.D. Bertrand did a really good job for filling in when he wasn't projected to be a starter last year. Mm-hmm. Right. Drew White was a good football player for multiple years at Notre Dame but that lack of length and athleticism that I just talked about a little bit ago is prevalent in both of those guys, right? So I think that that's where the quarterback scramble stuff comes into effect. You need guys on the second level that have that, that combination of athleticism and length. So I think Maris Loifau is especially going to be a huge guy this season to stop some of that quarterback, not, not quarterback run game, quarterback scramble game stuff Mm -hmm. out of structure. I think that Notre Dame needs to be more athletic on the second level and more disruptive in the front three to four. Like they yeah. need that type of type of uh production this year.
1: Yep. Now I think you kind of segued it nicely there to the second to the second part of it, which is the linebackers. The linebackers yes. are a part of this. If the defensive line is going to be more disruptive, you're gonna see a jump in tackle for loss production from the line for sure. Mm-hmm. And a perfect example, you know, Will Anderson last year like he had an absurd stat line, you know, I mean, 17 and a half sacks, but he had 33 and a half tackles for loss, which means he had 16 run game stops. Crazy, And, and, you know, that's, that's an abnormal thing. And I'm not going to sit there and be like, Isaiah Foskey needs to have, you know, 12 sacks and 25 tackles for loss this year. I'm not saying <laughs> that, you know, but, but give me five, right. You know, Jason Adamiola. I don't need you to have, you know, I don't need you to be Aaron Donald. I need you to give me like nine or 10, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, don't, I don't need Riley Mills to go out there this year uh, and, and you know, have 18 tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. But I need 9 or 10. Right. You know, I mean, those are the things. Or Even if you want us to go big-end production overall, I need 15, 14, 15, right? Like, those things I need. But where the numbers are going to take a huge jump and need to take a huge jump is at linebacker. Notre Dame's linebacker production last year against the run was – I mean, if we're being honest, it was Mm -hmm. abysmal. I mean, it really was. I mean, the the run game tackle for loss production last year, I mean, I'm looking at it now. Uh, It was, see, that's 15 and a half. Uh, Go down here, 18 and a half, 19 and a half tackles for loss last year from the entire linebacking core. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa and Drew White alone had 20 the year before, alone. And if you look at it, it's 24 and a half, it's 27 and a half, it's 29, it's 30. 30 the year before in in 12 games. Wow. Right. I mean, those are the things you look at and say, boy, that's got to get a whole lot better. I mean, the year before, Asmar Bilal and Drew White combined for 18. You know, let's see, 22, 23, and a half, 25 and a half. You had 25 and a half in 2019 in a year where I didn't think the linebackers played great. You know, so the, the linebacker production has to get a lot better against the run. That's where the run stops. The You know, the tackles for loss need to be where the D-line – Just blows things up. The linebackers come and they are, you know, Jason Adamiola gets free. He comes off the block. He makes the running back cut back soon. And bam, right there, the Mike linebackers are there, drill a guy in the backfield. That's Mm -hmm. why we talk about complementary football. It's not just offensive versus defense. It's also within units. If the defensive line is being more disruptive, Ryan, then it also is is important that not only they finish, but then the linebackers got to finish. There's times when you're using your defensive line to get a run through free. I mean that—that's what we saw against Oklahoma State. We talked that series. They ran a stunt that allowed J.D. Bertrand to get a clean shot on the quarterback. It's a great call, and then you just miss. Mm-hmm. And so it can't just be the D line. The D line could do their job and do it very well, but if the linebackers don't make more plays at the ball, then it, it won't matter. As, it won't have this. It won't have as big of a in, impact if, as if it's just the D line, right? Or yeah. you know, and the linebackers. Like it's got to be both. And that to me is the big thing is the linebackers have to take a big jump in production this year. They have to be far more effective on ball. Now the thing I'm confident about is last year you had your defensive coordinator was your linebackers coach, which is the same this year. You had Nick Leszczynski there. Nick was a good football coach. I I'm happy for him. Great guy. He's at Vanderbilt now, but it, it wasn't necessarily an ideal situation in a lot of different ways for a lot of different reasons. There was a lot of things going on there that that don't really care to get into. But this year you're in a situation where your defensive coordinator is still your linebackers coach, but you've got James Laranitis there. And you have Marcus Freeman there and you have other people on staff that are, that are going to be a factor in the, in the linebacker coaching. So there's going to be a lot more attention to that unit this year than there was last year where you know it was injuries i mean you lost your starting will right before the season you know other guys kind of faded like shane simon went into the tank after being a starter the year before and and he wasn't very good the year before but he was still played you had a lot a lot jd bertrand was banged up most of the year there's just a lot going on you're replacing an all-american now you're in a situation where everybody comes back Mm -hmm. and you get including marist there's no excuse not to be a lot better this year and they have to be if that that unit to me might be the biggest difference between this being a really good defense and an elite defense. And we'll talk about the secondary tomorrow, and we'll have some conversations about that. But I have seen teams with decent secondaries have great defenses before because their front seven was just incredibly disruptive to where the secondary could just kind of keep everything in front of them and rally to the ball, step in front of some. The 2018 defense was a lot like that. Part of what made that secondary so good was they could just kind of they were real smart, and they could keep everything in front of them. And so Julian Love could bait you into a, you know, I mean, think of the pick that that um, trying to remember the kid's name from NC State, Ryan. Uh, what was the quarterback's Finley. name? Ryan Finley. Finley a couple of years ago, you know, yeah. he's he gets pressured, he rushes off a throw. Julian Love backpedals, baits him into throwing that ball, steps in front of it, and picks and picks it off. He did the same thing to the Michigan State quarterback, Brian. Uh, it was uh Lawerky, right? Wasn't that the quarterback Brian in, in, in mm-hmm. 2017? Did the same thing to him on that pick six that he had against them? He because because he was so worried about the pass rush that is like, okay, quick game. I got to get this thing off quick. Julian Love was able to stay off. Let him kind of get into a, you know, where he was thinking, hey, I got this. And then bam, he jumps it and picks it off. Right. Well, you can only do that if you're pass rush is getting to you because otherwise if they're not getting a pass rush he's just going to sit back there and pick your part. he'll he'll nickel and dime you all day go right down the field and once he gets that one shot the quarterback goes over the top and bam there you got it but if you're able to get consistent pressure in the front seven it makes your secondary better it, you know if, if you're if your safeties are run fitting off of things where you're where the the running backs now making a cut off of your linebacker now all of a sudden dj brown is there to drill him because the guy's not able to make a move on dj Why? Because he's already made his move off the disruptive linebacker. That's when run fits work best is when you can square up a DB in space, that DB a lot of times is going to have some problems, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you're going to, you're going to beat guys because a, you're able to sort of get an angle and kind of write them to the sideline or write them to your help, or you're tackling them after they've made a cut or a move off of somebody else. Right. And so that's the key. It's, that's why we talk about that second man in. So like, when when J.D. Bertrand made, you know, had that pressure against Spencer Sanders and he had to step away, that's when he was most vulnerable to get brought down. Like, and But there wasn't a second guy there. right? And that's the difference. Right. And so the secondary will be better if the front seven is elite, it will be a lot better, even if they don't improve, It'll be a lot better if the front seven is elite. And if the front seven could put them in situations where it is third and 11, and third and 12. And you don't have to put Clarence Lewis in a press man situation because you got to get an extra guy in the box to defend a third and four, right? You can let Clarence play off and say, hey, complete a seven-yard hitch route. That's cool. It's third and 10. I'm going to tackle you because what does Clarence Lewis usually do pretty well? Tackling in space on quick throws, yeah. right? And so those are the situations where, why it's so important for this front seven to be elite. And we for the linebackers, it's just, or for the defensive line, it's just, you're pretty good, just be even better, for the linebackers, however, is it's it's gonna require a big jump from what they were last year. The thing is though, Rant, it's not asking any of them to do
2: something that they're not capable of doing. That's the thing. I I think they're I think they're in better positions to maximize what they do best. I mean, we've talked a lot about JD Bertrand is just a better fit at Mike linebacker than playing well because you don't want him playing in a ton of space. You want him being the lead man and coming downhill and doing all those types of things. And I I jumped the gun with the Maris Leifel thing because, again, talked about Marcus Freeman's kind of – like talk about the recruiting thing for a second, right? In the last two years, Notre Dame has signed seven extremely talented and athletic linebackers for the most part. Now, different degrees of vari- variety as far as the athleticism component, but at least all of them have some form of athleticism – Length or both, right? And so we have seen that the, the there is an emphasis on getting longer and more athletic, especially on the second level. So why are so many people excited about Maris Loythow for Notre Dame being healthy this year, including myself? It's because you know that it was it's been a problem. Like right. again, I liked Drew White, man. He was a good football player. I think he got a lot out of his ability. I really do. I mean, was he a three-year starter for being a guy that's six foot, 220-something pounds right. with 29 inch arms? On some like, pretty
1: good defenses.
2: Right? absolutely yeah like drew white is going to be a celebrated player in yeah. my opinion in notre dame because he got i think just about as much as he could out of his athletic ability like he was a good football player at notre dame
1: he started on defenses that ranked 6th 11th and 24th on in in defensive efficiency that that's yep. pretty good that's pretty yep. good
2: absolutely but the point of the matter is is why we're doing this podcast specifically it's because it still needs to get better right? right like there's still a level up that needs to happen and we know that Maris fell. while he may not be perfect at times, he brings a different level of athleticism and length that you did not have on the second level last mm-hmm. year for Notre Dame. Right. That's what you're looking for. That's why they're recruiting guys like Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler and Joshua Burnham, even though now he's playing Viper for your defense. That's why they're looking at guys like Drake Bowen and Jay Nosberry and Preston Zinter, because they bring some form of length or explosiveness or both right. to the table. So that is an emphasis, and I think it will be better. I have I have high expectations for the linebacker group unit. How much better will it be? That's a great question. But I think if Maris Leifel is healthy this year and J.D. Bertrand profiles to Mike as good as I think he can be, I think it's going to be a very, very improved group. And that's not, not even mentioning Jack Kaiser playing Rover where he's played a year of football, right? Like he's going to get smarter and more instinctive from that position and which should let his athleticism – kind of come out a little bit more than maybe it did last season at times. So I think that there's big upside to this group. But at the end of the day, Brian, we've talked about this endlessly over the last few weeks. You got to do it, right? Right. It's got to happen. But I think that there are the tools to make it happen. But to the biggest point here is that linebacker play has been steady to good and spurts over the last couple of years, but it needs to be at a much higher level. You can't have 18 and a half tackles for loss this year. You need to be a playmaking group.
1: The thing is too, Ryan, is I think the linebacker play has benefited in recent years from from having a great player. And, and I think that's the thing that needs to get better this year is you've had a great player. Jeremiah Wusu was a great player with other solid players, right? And this unit, to me, needs to be as a whole better as a whole. And I think that's what's been missing at Notre Dame for a long time is we haven't seen great linebacking cores at Notre Dame. We've seen good ones we've seen great individual linebackers. I mean, great individual linebackers, but those great individual linebackers, I mean, you know, Manti, Danny spawn was a really solid player. Dan Fox was a real solid player. They weren't studs. Right. I mean, and and that's the thing that's been missing a lot of times it's it's Jeremiah is a great player, but, The other guys are just solid. That's what made the 2018 defense so good because the two inside linebackers were both really good. Neither of them were nearly – were as good as Jeremiah Wusukoromoa or Jalen Smith or Manti. But as a duo, I would argue that's the best combination Notre Dame had at linebacker, even though neither Drew White, Drew Tranquil, or Tavon Coney were on the level of Jeremiah Wusukoromoa or Jalen or Manti because the two of them were excellent. And that's the thing that we need to see this year is can both – can both inside linebackers be good. Can Jack Kaiser be a better guy in space against the run and, and, and quick pass. Those are the things we need to see. And and cuz here's the deal. You and I were talking before the show. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah Foskey to me the one thing that this this coaching staff needs to do is give him more opportunities to make plays. I'm, we 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 came across some fascinating stats when we were when we were prepping for the show. So if you look at pro football focus and you just take the number of run snaps and pass snaps and then production from Isaiah Foskey. Isaiah Foskey last year had a hit or sack on the quarterback on 5.3% of his pass rush snaps. Will Anderson last year had a hit or sack on the quarterback on 5.4% of his pass snaps last year. What was the difference in numbers, Ryan? Because his numbers were way better. It was Volume. opportunity. Yeah. He had 330 pass rushes. Isaiah Foskey had 210. Well, part of that was because Isaiah Foskey dropped in coverage a lot more. He dropped in coverage 12 times more than, than, than Will Anderson last year uh, because he played in fewer games. But he also played 564 snaps compared to 873 from Will Anderson. Use him more and let him attack more. Run game, same deal. In 200 and, and uh, so, if you look at Isaiah Foskey last year, if you look at his n- number of run stops, a, a run stop is like you know at or behind the line of scrimmage, short of the first down, things like that. Isaiah Foskey last year had 35 run stops on 210. I'm sorry, he had 284 pass rushes last year. Excuse me, uh, but if you look at his number of of his run stops, he had 35 run stops on 210 run run snaps right that's a 16.7 percent per snap average like 16 that's that's really good will anderson last year who we talked about had 15.9 percent now will anderson had 53 run stops last year compared to fosky's 35 but what was the difference Fosky played in 210 snaps on run defense and and will anderson played on 333 the pass rush snaps were i gave the wrong uh, ones I said 333 to two it was actually Will Anderson was on 482 pass rushes last year to Isaiah Foskey's 284 I gave the run I gave the run and pass backwards so higher rate much higher rate percentage on the run stuff about identical in pass rush mm-hmm. so the difference was volume yes. right and so Foskey just needs to keep doing what he's doing and just have that normal junior to senior growth. He doesn't need to play beyond what he's already shown, in my opinion. Even if he just stagnant, and you've said this before this summer, yes, there are areas where he can get better. But if he just stays the same, he's, a, he's an All-American, in my opinion. If they use the him a, enough, right. right? The difference is the other guys have to step up and do these things. It's Jason Adamiola taking his game to another level. It's the same thing for his brother. It's Howard Cross being able to take his – per snap production last year and expanded on with more, with more snaps. So if you look at Howard cross last year in games where he played more, the most snaps, he was the least productive when he was mm-hmm. playing fewer snaps is he was more productive. That can't be the case this year. Cause he's going to be playing more snaps sure. and Jacob lacy has got to step up and make plays. Riley Mills has to be that guy. He has to be that guy along with Alexander Aaronsberger. I had a source reach out to me the other day, say, hey, you know, Nana's had a really good camp, good. right? That trio of guys, And again, Riley's the starter, but they're going to need Nana to play well. They're going to need Aaron's burger to play well inside and outside. They're going to need that trio, Ryan, to be a run stopping force on the edge. They're going to need 15, 16 tackles for loss from that position group compared to what it had last year. I mean, last year, I mean, the production just wasn't there, Ryan. I mean, when when you look at it, the production just wasn't there. I mean, and, and look, they were Myron Tungvaloa. Great kid, solid edge player for them last year. You know, I, I'm not be, I'm not beefing so much about what kind of player he was, but just the, that position as a whole just wasn't super productive. I mean, I'm looking at it now. They had 5, 8, 10, 11 and a half tackles for loss last year total from the defensive end group. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we, we've seen years where the starter was about that. I mean, Khalid Cream Th- had was, 10 that in was 2000. That was the big end, right? Yeah, big, big end. end. Yeah. Khalid Cream had mm-hmm. 10 and a half by himself. You know, one year, you 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 had 13 and a half just from the two of them, the top two guys. That doesn't include the whole depth chart. So you're going to need more minimum 15 tackles for loss from that position group this year, in my opinion. So it's got to be the other guys to step up. Right. It can't be a goes out and have some some Herculean season. That's not going to make this defense what it needs to be. He needs to keep doing what he's doing. And, of course, if he gets more opportunity, his numbers will look better if he gets more opportunities, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's impacting the game more on a person at basis. He's just playing more. It's the right. other guys that got to step up, which is kind of funny. I was actually watching that movie the other night, which is just every sometimes I need to laugh at stupid things. I'll pop that movie in. Um, but – and then the linebacker production has got to get better. That's right. where the jumps have got to happen. And those are the question marks. You now, can Jason Adamiola make that jump? You don't often see guys as fifth-year seniors make – giant leaps like that mm-hmm. you know we've seen it before zach martin went from a good player in 2012 to a top 20 draft pick in 2013 sure right and we, we've seen asmar Bilal went from a guy that you're like that guy cannot be on the field to a pretty good linebacker as is, as in his last year so we've yeah. seen it especially when there's coaching changes but it's got to yeah. happen it got to take it to another level
2: the, the, it, and, and- and Jason specifically is only a – I mean, truly – I mean, he's only a one-year starter, right? Like, he's played a right. lot of – he's played football at Notre Dame, but, like, last year was his first heavy volume right. of snaps, right? right? So, I think there could be pro- pro- projection and um, and production, you know, impact. But that's why the finishing ahead. thing
1: is so important with him, Ryan. Yes. yes. And this is what you wrote about. Like, this dude, if you watch this film, you're like, this guy is crushing people.
2: A good player, yeah. I mean, he's yep. just
1: getting off blocks. His block destruction is great. But it's like, but why isn't his production better? Sure.
2: And that's, that's the thing at the end of the day, you know, this, this is kind of quantified by like a very basic analysis here. Right. But I wrote an article to your, to your point about that I think Jason Adam Malola needs more respect from a national perspective. I think most Notre Dame fans appreciate what Jason Adam Malola is, but not national does not. Well, Jason, what's the one way to, to change that narrative Produce, man right do it right Right. I mean at the end of the day do it and the narrative will change very quickly in my opinion the Notre Dame defensive line in general like right now from a national perspective People have heard, you know, Riley Mills break out, and Jason Malula is a good player. But from a national perspective, they're looking at this defensive line right now, and they're saying that's Isaiah, that's Isaiah Foskey and a bunch of guys. Right. That's what they're saying right now. That's so, the point I, I mean,
1: Bruce Feldman. Uh, somebody sent me a, a, a text he made, or like a like text of a comment he made on some other podcast, and he mm-hmm. was like talking about Ohio State versus Notre Dame. He's like, you know, Michael Mayer and maybe a couple of linemen was started Ohio State, and he's like, you know. Isaiah Foskey like maybe another guy, start on Ohio State's defense. Now, beyond the fact that a national reporter is that oblivious to Notre Dame's talent is a different conversation. Sure. But the fact is, is like, but there's a reason that perception exists. If Jason Adam has got 10 tackles for loss last year and the production he should have had based on his disrupt- disruption, then we're not having this conversation. It's a, the narrative is different. You want to, yeah. that's the thing. There was a, You know, we quoted, we were talking about the other day, we're talking about like sports movies inspire you. And it was on the show Sean and I did together. Mm -hmm. And it was the quote that I used was from the movie Miracle. Now, again, I don't know if Herb Brooks really said this in real life, but the quote in the movie was, he basically like said, that tonight's your night. He's like, you have this big opportunity in front of you. Now go take it. Yes. Right. And that's my thing to Jason Adamiola, Justin Adamiola, Riley Mills. If you don't like being disrespected, then do something about it. Right. Sure. Produce make big plays in Columbus, make big plays against Clemson, make big plays against, uh, against USC. If USC is good. Right. And those are the things, nobody cares that you made a big play against Wisconsin. D- where wh- where was that big play against Cincinnati? And that's why a lot of reason why people by Foskey is viewed differently. It's the production number one, but you can also find some big plays and big moments from Foskey. He can't be the only guy because it was basically like if Foskey didn't step up and make a play, it wasn't getting made last year mm-hmm. in a lot of mm-hmm. instances. That's got to be the key. And I think he's going to do it, Ryan. And I know that you are. I mean, I, I used to think I was the only one like on the bus of the Jason Ademiola, like hype train. You've now actually pushed me out of the driver's seat and put me into the passenger seat. You know what I mean? It, but there's a reason for it. It's because yeah. you're a film guy. You watch the film. You're like, this guy is like unblockable at times. Yes. But he's got a he's got to finish better. And I think once that happens, the disrespect goes away. Cause like, that's what I loved about that quote. The, in that that hype up video that I that I made for IB members, it's on the IB board only. If you got to be a member to watch, it's kind of fun to do. But and it was a quote that we played in the show with Sean Davis a couple weeks ago. Was you know it's like Lou Holtz's thing is like you know if you don't want to be disrespected, then go do something about it. You know what I mean? Like and that's where Notre Dame is. At. That's where Jason Adamuel is. Hey man, you're disrespected. Good. Use it as tackling fuel. You know what I mean? Like go do something about it. And that's 100%. what kind of gets you excited, Ryan. Like, hey, Maris Lewisfow, nobody's talking about you. Okay, cool. Here's why. Go do something about it. And that's 100%. the key. And that's what you get excited about. So I think they're well, capable of
2: what I'm really excited about, and this is specifically about Jason for a second, is that some guys are talk more about talk than action, right? So you th- you don't think Jason Adam Malola sees the disrespect on Twitter with like sure. these rankings and this big I know he does, and all this yeah. type of stuff. Yeah, I right. know he does. But the thing that gives me a lot of hope for him having that type of season is because I don't see him retweeting stuff and saying, like, this is disrespectful, it stupid list, all this mm-hmm. type of stuff, right? It's about the action, man. Like, at the end of the day, Jason, I think you're a great football player. I do, man. I think you could be one of the best defensive tackles in, in college football this year. But at the end of the day, to change that narrative, to really make me sound like I'm smart – you got to do it on the field, man, because right. I'll tell you this. I don't sound smart all the time, so I would love Jason Ademiola right. to rack up 15 tackles for loss this year and be like, oh, Ryan Roberts knows what he's talking about. That's very If you're
1: as right about Jason Adamiola as Vince was last year about Cam Hart, sure. his defense mm-hmm. is going to be really good. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. going to be really good because it starts and, and up front, man. That's the whole thing. This thing starts up front. Now Riley Mills' job is made easier. Howard Cross's job is made easier because – we know they're sliding their protection to Jason and Isaiah every time because they can't block them.
2: Well, the national perspective, though, that it's J- that it's Isaiah Foskey and everybody else works into those guys' favor, yes. too, because early on, at the, all the eyes are going to be on number seven. Number seven can't stop us. Right. Well, I think that number 57 are, has the ability to make a lot of plays off of that. I think number 99 has the abilities to make plays off of that. I think 56 has the opportunities to make plays off of that. I think there's a lot of guys in this defensive line – that can make plays, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of talent, but mm-hmm. it needs to become tangible production at this point. Yep. And if it does, this defense has a chance to be very good because you just mentioned Cam Hart. Cam Hart was good last year. You know how much better Cam Hart's going to be if the defense, the defensive line, is as good as we think it can be, forcing right. pressures, forcing bad right. decisions, mistakes, and him being able to capitalize on it. Uh, it's the sky is the limit if this defensive line and this linebacker unit play really well up yeah. front, and I think they can. But at the end of the day, to eliminate these narratives, you have to play ball and you have to play at a high level.
1: Yeah. And somebody said, Cricky uh, says, Brian, For con- just for context, he actually did say the words, now go out there and take it. Yes. Right. And 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 that's the thing is like, that's what they got to do. Look, and I, I'm working on an article right now and, and I'm almost done with it, but it's, it's kind of in response to, you know, Howard Paul Feinbaum. And it's not really a response in that I'm tearing down his argument. I kind of make a point that it, it was lazy. Uh, it was uh, just like it was It was more for hot take than it was like providing real analysis. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is there's a reason that this is allowed to exist. And the reason it's allowed to exist, despite the fact that it's just lazy and incorrect, factually incorrect, is because Notre Dame has allowed this narrative to grow because of the fact that it doesn't step up in those big games. hundred percent. Right. And, and, and so like, if you don't like it, do something about it. Right. And well, it's and like, it's like, did you key. see,
2: did you see Barrett? Uh, is it pronounced? Yeah it, was, is it is a, great, yeah, it was a
1: great, yeah. I mean, like, I, I retweeted
2: it. It was a great, it was so it took two minutes for him to figure that out, find that out. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a good point, but at the end of the day, in order for that to continue to trend in the right direction, right. Like they need to win the big game. Like right. it, it, that, as soon as how does a narrative stop? By eliminating it right Right. it's not like you slowly trickle down like oh wow moral victory we almost beat ohio state no the minute that you beat that team that's when those narratives stop clemsoning to your point brian was once a thing right clemsoning Mm -hmm. stopped because at a point clemson under deshaun watson and then into trevor lawrence started winning those games they started not letting that letting their their program down and you know, making a, I don't want to say a laughing stock because they were still a pretty good program. But like Clemsoning was a thing that you said to make fun of people. In order to stop narratives, you need to eliminate them, not just fight back against them, eliminate
1: them. Right. And beating Clemson in double overtime without their starting quarterback is not a, a silencer, especially when you go out three weeks later and get curb stomped by that same team with their starting quarterback.
2: If anything, it, right. that improved the narrative on the other right. side of it, in my opinion, because right. it's like it, it yeah.
1: solidified it. See, yes, they're not there because they only beat them because they were missing Mike Jones and Tyler Davis and all those other kind of guys. So that's right. the big thing is for Notre Dame, and there's nothing we as fans can do about it, right? I mean, it's going to be up to Marcus Freeman and his staff and his players to say, "Hey, look, you don't like this narrative, you don't like the disrespect, do something about it," and that's mm-hmm. the key, and say. You say, wow, you know, 16 and a half, that's a disrespectful. Uh, it is disrespectful, but why is it keep yes. growing? Because people are still betting on Ohio State. Why? Because they look at every big game that Notre Dame has played and they're like, mm, 16 isn't enough. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, think about it Cotton Bowl two years ago. Right. Well, the only one would be Cincinnati last year, 11. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, i mean oklahoma state i don't I mean, it's kind of a big game but it's, it's oklahoma state if i'll do i don't mean that disrespectfully but it's, it's oklahoma state right yeah but you go cincinnati 11 year before that, it's the cotton bowl against alabama 17 that was with notre Dame scoring late yeah Ch- acc championship game 24 right you go back to 2018 27 point loss to clemson 2019 31 point loss to michigan 2017 you had a uh what was it like it was like a 18 point loss to Stanford at the end of the season 33point loss to Miami the only exception to this rule has been the Georgia games really and that's because Georgia plays a style of football that they just don't blow it up I mean they just don't blow they they at that time they weren't blowing teams out and Notre Dame has the athletes to hang with them and and compete with them in those situations so that's the thing you look at Ryan is like when you when you when you compare this team is like I understand why people have the spreads the way they have them. I, I get it, right? I get it. I don't. I think it's disrespectful and all that, but I I understand it. If Notre Dame was out, like if if, if Notre Dame still lost to Clemson in 2018 and Georgia in 2019, well, let me rephrase this: If Notre Dame lost to Miami in 2017 and uh, Clemson in 2018 and Michigan in 2019 and Clemson in the ACC title game, and Alabama in the in the Rose Bowl, and then Cincinnati last year. If they still lost every single one of those games, but those games looked like Georgia twenty nineteen seventeen or Georgia 2019 or Florida State 2014, if the outcome and the way the game transpired for four quarters looked more like the Florida State game, the two Georgia games, then the narrative is different. The narrative is the way that it is because Notre Dame has gone out and gotten blown out in those games. And so that's the whole point is it's you've given yourself this reputation because of how you've performed. And, Ryan, the point I was making when you had to step out yeah. is it's it's not just losing games. If, if every one of the big losses that I talk about, Miami 17, Clemson 18, if all of them looked like the the, the, the Georgia games or like 2014 Florida State, the narrative is different.
2: Yeah, it'd be like like you're you're, you're close, right? Like you're getting there. You're heading in the right direction. It's like how people talked about
1: when Clemson lost to Alabama. They lost in the title game, but it was celebrated like, wow, they were close. Like Alabama had to do this and onside kick and do this and do that. And look what Clemson's done instead of going out there and getting beat 45 to 20 or 45 to 17. And so at at the end of the day, that's the reality of it, right, is you've got to be able to step up and say – if you don't like the narrative, then change it because they're not going to change it because they feel bad that they keep bashing you. Oh, you know what? I feel really bad for being critical of, of, of Notre Dame. I, I feel bad. I'm going to go change my tune. No, only going to change your tune is by making them change your tune. And that's the opportunity that Notre Dame has. I mean, this is a really unique opportunity this year for Notre Dame as we wrap this part of the show up. In that you do have an Ohio State road game on your docket, you do have Clemson coming to your home stadium, you do have you know everybody's golden boy Lincoln Riley you know going out there at USC, and then you know whatever your post game opportunities are, there are there are big game opportunities for Notre Dame this year to shut people up. And if you want to shut them up, then you you got to do it in it in defensively, wrapping it up. It's about it's going to be about the front seven. They have to be elite if the rest of the defense is going to be elite. The people are there. The players are in place. The talent is there. Riley Mills is a highly ranked player. Isaiah Foskey is going to be a first-round pick. Jason Adamiola was a top-hundred recruit. Maris Luefow is a really talented player. I mean, there's dudes there, right? It's just Mm -hmm. go out there and show it. And that's going to be the key for Notre Dame this year.
2: I haven't coached in a couple years, Brian, but I feel like we just went into full – Pre-game coach mode man you got to go out and you got to take it right, what are you guys right. talking about right now man but, yeah, I love like, it I love here's it, your man. response
1: like Josh Phillips says you know fair analysis Notre Dame choking in big games but let's not forget Ohio State has laid some eggs against teams they were supposed to beat as well in and, and Fairpoint Purdue Iowa they got blown out by Alabama but that blowout against Alabama came after they had blown out Clemson in the semifinal yeah. right yeah. yes they 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 lost to Purdue and Iowa in bad games but you know what else they did they won a national championship by beating Alabama and then Oregon right I mean they they've they, They went to the playoff against Clemson and took Clemson down to the wire and had a shot to win it at the end in the playoff. That's the difference is, yeah, they've had a couple bad losses, but you can excuse – and, again, this is – Josh, your your point is not wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong. What I'm saying is the reason that the same perception doesn't exist for them – and, again, last time they played in the college football playoff, they got destroyed by Alabama. Mm -hmm. But they also have a win over Alabama in the playoff era. Yep. Right? They have a win over Clemson in the playoff era, right? They have won a national championship in the playoff era. When you win those games, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt when you lose them. For example, Alabama has had a couple really embarrassing big game blowouts, right? They got toasted by Clemson in the 2018 championship game. But why wasn't Nick Saban treated like Brian Kelly? Because he's won more of those games and he's lost, right? I mean, Nick Saban's had some bad losses too. But those games get discu- get kind of excused a little bit when, you know, okay, yeah, we played like crap against Texas A&M, but we came back and and stomped, you know, curb-stomped George in the SEC title game. Notre Dame doesn't have those games to point to. Notre- Brian Kelly's – think about this. Brian Kelly's claim to fame as a head coach at Notre Dame is almost beating Florida State and not losing to Alabama and Clemson the, champion- the year they won championships by as much as the other teams they played in the playoff. Think about that. So yeah, that's why that, that, that thing exists. And that's and what it should, and it should
2: exist. It. I mean, this right. is the end of this is the end of the, the, end, of the right. end of the, you know, my rant for a second here, Brian, but like, we're, I, I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I'm also going to take my yeah. fan hat off for a second and say like, it's not good enough though. I mean, right. like at the end of the day, there's been, sure. You can find some parts to the, to the, to the fight back to the pushback of the conversation, but Notre Dame hasn't been good enough. It, it's, right. it's, uh, I, I mean, right. that's just all, that's the point. And, and that's
1: the task for Marcus Freeman, right? Sure. I mean, that's the task. Yep. Prove it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like, only, you don't that that there's
2: only one peep, There's only one side that can change the narrative, right. and that is your side. At the, right. end of the, the Notre
1: Dame players and coaches. Yes. That's it. I can't. I can make all the brilliant arguments you want. I can spin things, and the Bama lost this game, and Ohio State won that game, and, and I could do all the spin I need to do, but that's not my job. I'm not Notre Dame's hype man. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's you got to do it. You got to earn it. And that's the exciting thing. And and honestly, that's where my optimism comes from. Will it be Ohio State in the opener? I don't know. We'll find out. But I do believe it's going to come. And the next two, three seasons give Notre Dame a lot of opportunity. The schedule gives Notre Dame a lot of opportunities the next few years to do that. Mm -hmm. And now they got to go seize it. So we're not done yet. We are done with this portion of the show, Ryan, but we are not completely done because we are going to have a mailbag. I'm sure we're going to continue this part of the conversation as we get into the mailbag. Uh, but we are we are going to dive, dive into that next. But before we go, I would really appreciate it if you all would hit that like button right there, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, and of course sign up for the Irish Breakdown message board. It's uh it's it's trust me it's it's worth it. It's definitely worth it.